Actually, oh, hold on. Uh, am I in the matrix? It could be because you need to turn your sound down on. If you're on both shows, you need to turn your sound down on one of your um, devices. So that's probably why. I don't know. Is everyone else okay? Hold on, let me see if I can adjust a couple of things. Uh, hold on, let me check something. Is that better or? Okay, good. Good, 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 good. Okay, let me... Okay, so I am actually doing a show that I did um, when I first started podcasting. Uh, one of the first shows I did before I came on the Podbean, if you guys want to look, look it up on YouTube, it's episode 43. And um, this is about uh, Black Hollywood or um, re remembering uh, black Hollywood, because, you know, um, before we have Martin Luther King, there were people who came before him. And um, as there are in every generation, there's always somebody who came before somebody else. But these particular people, I think, have been for forgotten. And even though we may turn on an old show, an old black and white show, and we'll watch it, and we see these people, but again, there are people that you see, but you don't know. There are people who, there are actors that without them, um, a movie could have been totally different. A movie could have been totally different. And one of the first people I want to bring up is my favorite black actor. Her name is Teresa Harris. And Teresa Harris is one of those people who, um, she was absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman, beautiful woman, beautiful black woman. Um, she was born in uh, 
1909 in Houston, Texas. Um, she uh, graduated with academic honors. Um, she studied at UCLA, the, the conservatory at, at UCLA. Um, and she joined the Lafayette Players, which was a, an, a pioneering African-American theater company. Um, and she um, debuted on Broadway in 1933 in a Broadway called Louisiana. Hey, hey, uh, GP, welcome. But Teresa Harris, um, again, she's one of those Black actors who was just that gem. She was the one, like I said, she is my favorite Black actor of all time, of all time, hands down, hands down she is. Um, if any of you remember Barbara Stanwyck, which I'm pretty sure a lot of you do, um, she played with Barbara Stanwyck in a movie that was pre-code back in 1933 called Babyface. And that was when, you know, before the the people were coming around saying, you know, you can't do this, you can't do this. And we had, you know, G-rated G R's, you know, X's, before all, all that came about. She uh, started a movie called Babyface where she was Barbara Stanwyck's equal. She was, um, uh, she was still a maid, you know, because back then, which was typical of the time, um, and most of Teresa Harris's screen roles, she was a maid or a waitress or hat check girl, just a stereotypical thing. Um, and as a member of the Screen Actors Guild, she pushed for better roles for Black performers. But in Babyface, she, she had the opportunity, and I do say opportunity because it was rare in Hollywood that they allowed um, black actors at that time to be on the same level with other white, white actors. And, um, the two were equal as equal as one could get, <laughs> you know, at, 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 at that time. And she played a character by the name of Chico. And it's one of my favorite movies. And again, it's a black and white, um, and it was her first credited role. And um, she was Barbara Stanwyck's maid, but she was also her friend. I mean, she wore fur, fur coat. She wore diamonds. She, I mean, she did everything that the white women were doing, you know. Um, but she is a, she's an, an actress that uh, is largely forgotten. And she's someone who... Um, if you guys get a chance to, you know, see some of her, her movies, she's, she's really very, very good. And as I said, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman. Um, she ended up marrying a doctor uh, in the, uh, in, in the 70s. She was uh, inducted into the um, uh, uh, Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame in 1974, and she died in uh, Inglewood, California, October 8th of 1985. So that is one actor that people have forgotten about. And another act, 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 actor who people 
often confused with Teresa Harris is another um, actor by the name of Freddie Washington. Freddie spelled F-R-E-D-I. And um, her career was, again, she was on Broadway. Um, most of her uh, roles were um, as maids, you know, um, but her best known role was in Imitation of Life, not the one with Lana Turner in, in the 60s. This was the original one in 1934 with Claudette Colbert. And she was the one who played the um, uh, the light-skinned uh, black woman who chose to pass as white. Her, her mother was um, supposedly Claudette Colbert's uh, partner. Her mother's recipe was which was made Claudette Colbert uh, her character um, rich. You know, but even though her mother was the one who provided the, the recipe, her mother was still, you know, relegated to the room in the back of the house because they lived together. But her mother had gotten into a situation with a white, with a white man, had, had a baby. And back then, you know, in the 30s, it was still risque to do a movie like that. And um, Freddie Washington played the, the, the interracial girl who chose to pass as white um, uh, because she could not deal with how her mother was treated and just how black people were treated at that time. But that is her most famous role. Um, but she's been in many, she was ap opposite, you know, Bill Bojangles Robinson. Um, uh, she was also a very, very talented actor who chose to leave Hollywood for radio. Um, Freddie Washington is definitely someone that you guys should should look look up. She died in the early 90s. I think she was like 90. She was in her 90s too and passed away in, in the 90s. Another person I want to talk about is um, Lincoln Perry. And some of you guys may know Lincoln Perry as Steppen Fetchit. And he was the actor in... Um, he was a black actor in Hollywood who, to this day, a lot of black people have a hard time with his role because he was the one who, yes, a massa, no, some massa, yes, a boss, no, some boss. You know, he was the one that was doing that. Um, but in his roles of doing that, um, Lincoln Perry, a.k.a. Step and Fetch It, became a millionaire because of those roles. And with those roles, with the money that he made, with the money that he made from playing those type of degrading roles, because they were, um, he was able to help other black people black people who 
were starving, couldn't pay rent. He helped other black actors of that time who fell in hard times. So as much as people, you know, say how he made his money, especially black people who are critical of him, of how he made his money, he also did good with his money. Um, and he's, and he's, you know, and, and people say that with, with Lincoln Perry, um, he was playing, you know, the, um, what's, what's, what's what I, what, what would I want to say? He, he was playing the, um, old Massa role, the old Massa, you know, um, he would, um, you know, he played roles that depicted black people as lazy, which some people think that we are, you know, but he was also playing the old massa where slaves used to do the old massa thing when they were around other white people to get them to do the work. It was a con job. And Lincoln Perry understood that. He understood what it meant to be a black actor in Hollywood at that time. He understood. He understood that they were relegated to being in their place. But again, the money that he made, and unfortunately he did not die a millionaire, but that money that he made went for good. And he does have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Another person I want to talk about is Hattie McDaniel. A lot of you guys may know her as the maid from Gone with the Wind. You know, she was this big black woman, you know, who, you know, um, was respected, quote unquote. But she was still a slave. She was still a maid. And Hattie McDaniel played a lot of those roles. That's all she could get. One of her wishes, and she was also, through her roles, she also became one of the first Black actors who became millionaires. And um, again, I say you have actors who, if they weren't in the movies, it could have been an entirely different, entirely different picture. And people have said, and I also believe it because I've seen Gone with the Wind so many times. If Hattie McDaniel were not in that role or that role were not in that movie at all, it would have been a different movie. It would have been a different movie. And when Gone with the Wind came out, Clark Gable, who played Rhett Butler in that movie, um, He and Hattie McDaniel were very good friends. Every year, Hattie McDaniel gave a party at her mansion. Um, Clark Gable always went. He just didn't pop in and make an appearance. He stayed throughout the entire uh, party. And they just didn't uh, socialize just once a year. They socialized all the time. And Clark Gable caught flack from other actors in Hollywood for hanging out with that 
black woman. But on the eve of the premiere of Gone with the Wind, and some of you all may, may know the story, because the, sh the movie uh, predominantly took place in Georgia, it was premiered at a movie in a movie theater in Georgia, which did not allow black people. And when they were allowed, they had to sit in the balcony. But for the premiere, they didn't want any black people there at all. And Clark Gable fought to have her there. She was part of the cast. She was a, she was a main part of the cast. And they did not want her there. And the studio really didn't do much to help her, her cause. The only person who really stood up for her was Clark Gable. And um, he said that he was not going to go unless she was allowed to go. And the studio knew how important it was for Rhett Butler to be at the premiere of Gone with the Wind. It was important. This movie took months and months and months and months and months and months to make. They went through different directors. They did this. They did that. They, I mean, it was like the biggest hush-hush in Hollywood was Gone with the Wind. But Hattie McDaniel told Clark Gable, no, you need to go. I will stay home, which he, which he did. The movie was a success. Hattie McDaniel was the first black woman to win an Academy Award. But once again, at the award ceremony, she was not allowed to sit with the rest of the cast. She sat by the kitchen. She sat at a table by the kitchen. That's where she had to sit. And when she accepted her, 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 her um, Oscar, she couldn't even say what she wanted to say. The studio wrote out her acceptance speech. And that's why you have something in there about her being the credit to her race. But Hattie McDaniel had, she, she, she played in a lot of movies. She was in a lot of movies. And unfortunately, you know, her, uh, she ended up getting cancer before and she passed away. But one of her greatest wishes was to be buried in Hollywood Cemetery. That's where she wanted to be buried. But in the 50s, like most cemeteries in the country, they were segregated. And she was not allowed to be buried there. Her nephew has since put a cenotaph in Hollywood, which is now known as Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And there's a cenotaph there for her, um, but she's not buried there. And even in death, she was treated like the help. Another person that I would like to talk about um, is Sammy Davis Jr. Now you're probably saying, why is Sammy Davis on your list? Well, <laughs> Sammy had an interesting life. 
he had an interesting way to Hollywood. And, um, you know, he's most known as um, Mr. Bojangles. You know, he was the one who who uh, who sang that and what have you. And um, he was another one who died poor. Um, but Sammy... Sammy was, um, not only was he talented, not only was Sammy talented. Wait, hold up for a second, guys. I got to move something over. Okay, not only was Sammy talented, um, but he had moxie. I mean, here's this man who was, what, 5'6 and 120 pounds. He was born December 8th of 1925 in Harlem. And he was a tap dancer. Um, his mother was either of Puerto Rican or Cuban descent. Uh, but he was definitely an Afro um, Cuban or Afro uh puerto rican however you want to say it um but he learned to dance tap dance from his dad and in the 40s 43 44 he went to the military and um sammy's nose was jacked up for lack of a better way to say it, because it was broken so many times. He was frequently abused by white soldiers from the South. And his nose was constantly broken. And finally, it was permanently flattened. He was constantly given beer laced with urine. Until they transferred, until the military saw his talent and they transferred him out of that particular company, I, I guess, you know. Um, and he went to the special services where he performed in front of the same soldiers who had abused him. Then came the issue with Sammy Davis's eye. And this happened when um, he was on Route 66 and a woman missed her exit and she was backing up to exit. And before, you know, he didn't have enough time to back up and get out of her way that he did. He ran into his car, but he hit his face mainly his eye on the horn portion of the steering wheel and back there in, in the 50s the steering wheels they were they weren't padded the way they are now and it was like you know this big steel thing and he hit his eye and he lost his eye um so that's how he lost his eye a lot of people also don't know that uh Sammy Davis Jr. was a very 
accomplished gun handler. Very accomplished. Hey, the only crazy lady. Welcome. I didn't see you uh, pop in. Um, he was very uh, accomplished. I mean, Johnny Cash, you know, even would marvel at how he would go to these gun shows and, uh, you know, in these these competitions. And um, by all accounts, Sammy Davis Jr. could um, outshoot anybody, anybody. And in some of the movies that he was in, uh, some of the TV shows he was in, he was able to show his um, his handling of a gun. But he was one of the best. He was even better than the stunt doubles. And he was an avid gun collector. So let's fast forward to... Um, the late 1950s when he um, had an affair with Kim Novak. If anyone knows who Kim Novak is, <laughs> I am dating myself because I, I am a Kim Novak fan. Um, but Kim Novak, And Sammy Davis were involved in this affair. And because Novak was white, there was a lot of backlash against Columbia Pictures. And they knew that that relationship could hurt the studio. And Kim Novak was under con contract with Columbia Pictures. Um, but Sammy was threatened by organized crime people who were close to Harry Cohen, who was the president of Columbia. And Cohen, you know, called a racketeer by the name of John Roselli to stop seeing Novak, or he would lose his other eye or broken leg, and he was to marry a black woman. And um, Sammy sought the protection of Chicago mobster Sam Giancana. But he did marry. He did marry a black woman. Her name was Loray White. And Sammy paid her 20, I think it was 20,000, 25, 20,000. It was somewhere along that line 20,000, 30,000, somewhere along that to um, marry him and stay married to him for a year, but they had to break up within a year. And that kind of took the heat off of Sammy for a while. But then we have May Britt. May Britt was um, an actress who Sammy married. Um, she was Swedish. And um, the thing about May Britt was Black people and white people were offended because Sammy married this white woman. Uh, but the thing that really got Sammy was in 1960 when President Kennedy was having his uh, state dinner 
and he had invited most of the Rat Pack, you know, Frank Sinatra, um, Richard Lawford, I do believe. Um, but he asked Sammy not to come because he was hosting the president, President Kennedy was hosting people from the South. And, you know, civil rights was still going on and what have you. And President Kennedy, who had been friends with Sammy Davis Jr. said, please don't come. You can come to the next one. Sammy Davis didn't go. He never stepped foot in the White House while John Kennedy was president again. And he never spoke to President Kennedy again. Sammy Davis was a really, really good actor. Really, really good. He was a good performer. And I'm glad that I can say that, and I'm dating myself, that I had the opportunity to see him on stage live. In his one-man show, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. He was phenomenal. The other person I want to talk about is Harry Belafonte. And again, you all may say, well, he's not forgotten. He's, he's, but he's, he's important. Harry Belafonte is important. He's in his 90s now, very much still the activist that he was way, way, way back when. You know, but Harry Belafonte, again, you know, like most um, black actors back then, you have to they, they had to really work to really work and he became famous with his album calypso because he was a, a jamaican american born uh born in 1927 march 1st um He was a confidant, a confidant of Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement. And Paul Robeson was one of his was one was an actor that he really admired. And. Um, I'm going to talk about Paul Robeson too, but Harry, Harry Belafonte, um, he was handsome, in my opinion, <laughs> uh, still is. Um, he was, he was the one who, who could sing. He was that black actor who would mesmer, would mesmerize you, you know, just with his, when, when he would, you know, sing, um, the, the banana boat song and, you know, how he would, um, 
move and just, he was just good. He was a good actor. But um, back in 1968, he made history. Welcome, Jill. Welcome. He made history um, because what he did was, or what was asked of him by Johnny Carson, Johnny Carson was going to go on vacation for a week, and he asked Harry Belafonte to host the Tonight Show. Back then, black folks didn't host the the Tonight Show. It, we were lucky; we even got a chance to sit on the sit on the sofa. Um, and what Harry Belafonte did was, um, well, first of all, ABC did not like. Uh, um, Johnny Carson's choice. And Johnny Carson was like, nope, this is who I chose. This is who is going to, to do it. But John, but uh, Harry Belafonte, being the civil rights person that he was, like I said, he was very close, f- close friends with Dr. King. Um, he was very much into civil rights. He was very much, and, he's, and he still is. For a 95-year-old man, he is still very, very active in, in civil rights. And he took advantage of the week on um, Johnny Carson to talk about Black America. And what it did was it was one of the first times that white America, that, you know, here's this Black man coming into their living room every, every night for a week. They saw another side. They saw another side of um, Harry Belafonte. Welcome, Jester. And they saw another side of Black America. And that's what Harry Belafonte did for that one week. And it was also a week that when he was hosting The Tonight Show, it was one of Johnny Carson's on The Tonight Show. It was one of his biggest and best weeks. Where, the, where it was the most listeners. And Harry Belafonte took the opportunity to have other black guests on the show. And again, this was 1968. You, you know, even then you still didn't do that. But that's what Harry Belafonte did. And he still went on, you know, some of my favorite movies with him was, you know, Uptown Saturday Night with Bill, Bill Cosby. You know, some of those quote unquote black movies, which I still don't understand what the difference is between a black movie and a white movie. I still don't understand the the, the distinction, but it's out there. Um, but that's what he did. But again, one of his biggest the influencers that he had was Paul Robeson. And some people may know who 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 he who he is, but uh, Paul Robeson was born in eighteen ninety eight. He passed away in January of 1976, and he was um, known for not only his acting um, and his political stances, but boy, could he sing. Could he sing? I mean, he was he, he was trained. He was an he was an opera singer. He 
he could sing. And he was educated. He was educated. He was a college-educated man, law school, but the acting bug caught him. And he wanted to act. And one of his most famous roles, and again, you know, I may be dating myself, I don't know, but I like old movies. I, I like old movies. And another movie that I've seen many, 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 many times is Showboat. And it's a musical. And um, Paul Robeson, uh, if anyone knows the background of, of Showboat, um, just about a boat, <laughs> you know, that would travel from state to state people would come on on board and they you know people they, the, the boat would, would dock and people would come on board and you know they have a show you know um but paul robeson during showboat um, he sang Old Man River. He sang Old Man River. And the producers didn't want him to sing that. They wanted, they wanted him to sing, um, and this is how it was in the trades. They wanted Paul Robeson to sing a plantation song and Paul Robeson being the man that he was and having the, the, um, respect for himself. I'm not seeing that. And he's saying old man river. Hey, shy lady. Welcome. Um, Paul Robeson was blacklisted he was blacklisted you know during a during that whole what do you call it what was going on during that time in in the 50s the mccarthy era whatever when a whole lot of other actors were were, were blacklisted um but he was but he was black blacklisted um and he was not able to um act in a lot of movies during that time like a lot of other blacklisted um actors but see one thing that was different with paul robeson and other black actors who were blacklisted as, at that time compared to other white actors who were blacklisted at that time he was talking about civil rights and equal rights he was publishing things that people like us were not supposed to publish. And it, it hurt his career. It really hurt his career. But in the end, you know, um, Paul Robeson should be remembered for his acting, his political stance, his pre 
civil rights stance, and most of all, the fact that he was trained as an opera singer. And boy, did he have a voice. The other person that I want to uh, talk about is James Edwards. Now, James Edwards, if, there, if, if it were not James Edwards, we wouldn't have a Sidney Portier. You know, and this is where um, I say that um, and this is where I'm 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 trying to say this as as best as as I can. This is where I'm going to talk to um, black folks. You know, and this is when I say that we need to remember the people who came before us because they paved the way. They paved the way. They paved the way for um, other people. And James Edwards was another one who paved the way. He played in movies like Home of the Brave, The Steel Helmet, Bright Victory, all of which I saw, a lot of, a lot of <laughs> war movies. I do like old war movies, whatever. Um, the Manchurian Candidate. But he was most known as uh, George Patton's personal valet. Valet, valet, valet is actually how you say it. Uh, in the film Patton, he was Sergeant Major William George Meeks. But he was always that soldier who got in trouble. He wasn't supposed to be here. You weren't supposed to be there. What are you doing over here, boy? What are you doing over He always played those roles. Because those are the only roles that he could play. Hey, Power Girl, welcome. Those are the only roles that he could play. But he was someone that Sidney Poitier looked up to. And Sidney Poitier respected. And actually helped Sidney Poitier along the way. Welcome, Crucible. You know, there are so many actors out there. You have, you know, Oscar Michelle. Lillian Randolph, Herb Jeffries, Nina Mae McKinney, Noble Johnson, Madame Sol Solterre, Slim Thompson, Ernest 
Morrison. There's just so many, so many, so, so many. You know, you look at someone like Josephine Baker, you know, who popularized the, the banana dance in, um, in France. I mean, a lot of these actors had to go overseas in order to get recognition because they cannot get recognition here in our own country. I mean, there's just so, so many. You have Lena Horne, who even though she had technically by all accounts, depending upon how you want to look at it, a successful career. It could have been better. Who was also in show both. It was supposed to be. Whole role went to somebody else. See, Showboat one of the main things, one of the main um, movie roles, or I'm sorry, um, uh, lines in, um, in, in, in Showboat or characters, whatever, was a mixed woman who was, well, actually she was black passing as white um and she gets kicked off of the boat because someone who wanted to be with her she didn't want to be with them so he told on her it was back in the 1800s you don't have that race mixing you don't have you know you know, black folks who were passing for white, they couldn't tell they were doing that. They couldn't tell that they, they couldn't say that they were white because, I'm, I'm sorry, they couldn't tell white folks that they were black because it wouldn't end well. And Lena Horne was supposed to be in that movie. But she couldn't be in the movie. They, they, um, they let her go because the powers that be realize that the audience would not accept this woman who truly was black having this affair on screen with this white man. She was let go. She was replaced. Lena Horne was a beautiful woman. And I can say again, I saw Lena Horne. I'm dating myself. But I saw her in the 80s. In Chicago. On stage. 
breathtaking, fascinating. And it's interesting how a lot of these, these black actors, they were all somehow, some way tied up in civil rights. I mean, here, you know, you have Lena Horne performing at the Cotton Club in Harlem. But what was funny about the Cotton Club in Harlem, it was only for white folks. A black person, somebody like me, I couldn't go into the Cotton Club and sit down and want to have a drink or have dinner. Only way I was coming into the Cotton Club is if I was either a performer or I had a, a mop and bucket. I don't know. You know, there's just so many, so many, so many. You know, it was rare that people of color had heroes in a movie. And when I say people of color, I'm I'm talking about all people of color. Because if you watched a, a Western, Cowboys and Indians, which you shouldn't say, Cowboys and Native Americans, welcome uh, serotonin. Um, they always lost. The cowboy always won. Or the settlers, they always won. Wonder why. You know, I'm 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 a fan of westerns. I like watching shows like Laramie, Lawman. I like westerns. I I I like them. Cheyenne. Tales of Wales, Far, Far, Fargo. I'm naming stuff some of y'all probably never heard of. And I look at those, and and Shine Lady, I, I I do see you. I, I am I am going to um, pop over to you. Um, I look at those shows. In fact, I was looking at a um, at a um, show the other day of Lawman, and it was a white woman playing the role of a native american and then i watched another one where there was a a white man playing the role of an of an an, an asian and i'm saying to myself they didn't have any asian actors back there that they couldn't give in that role to or any you know native american actors or latino actors that they could not have given that role to i mean you have al Jolson who would performing blackface because they wouldn't allow a black person on stage so you know on a day like this 
it's not just about remembering Martin Luther King and the contributions that he made. And yes, he had his faults. Martin Luther King definitely had his faults. But I look at people who have, who, I, I look at him as a man and what he did. He paid the ultimate sac uh, sacrifice. He played the ultimate sacrifice for his be beliefs. He was assassinated. And when I look at Black Hollywood, when I when I when I watch some of these movies, and you know, sometimes I'll watch a movie just to see the the the, the black actor in there because I'm just fascinated. You know, but now we have shows like, you know, The Little Mermaid where it's a black actor and people losing their, their minds or talking about Idris Elba being the next James Bond and people are losing their minds. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. One thing that just made my heart feel so good was when I saw, you know, that video of a little black girl watching a little mermaid and she turns around, she goes, mommy, she's black. Yeah, she is. And the next person who, who plays the Little Mermaid should be Asian or Latino, Native American. I mean, in reality, have, has anyone ever seen a mermaid before? How do you know what color they are? But there are a lot of black actors who have been forgotten. Who you look at the Denzels and 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 all these other people who wouldn't be where they were if it weren't for these other black actors, if it weren't for the Freddie Washingtons and the Teresa and the Teresa Harris's and the Oscar Michaud's. Shy lady, welcome. I apologize for being so long-winded. Hey. <clears throat> um, no. Not enough. You were if you are allowing me to speak, or I can wait. Yeah. Well, I wanted to say that something that disturbed me since we were we were I was listening to you talk about the golden era Hollywood. <clears throat> and I and I hear you saying that the things that go on now with the James Bond. But something that always confused me and disturbed me was that most of the, the uh, big studio owners back in those days were um, owned by Jewish immigrants. And what disturbed me is that many of those who started the um, Hollywood studios were had family members or themselves were part of the... Um, the Holocaust, they left to escape persecution or they had family members that had been um, executed during that, 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 that awful period in history. But what disturbed me is that when many of them came over here, instead of them identifying with other groups, 
that were discriminated because of, um, of, a, of a group not being like another group, they, they, didn't, they didn't understand our plight or, or really care because black people experience discrimination in Hollywood and they were in control of the studios. So it, it's like, here you were um, going through the, basically the same things, race, you know, um, bigotry, racism, whatever you want to call it, but you in turn turned a blind eye to the black people and all the things that were happening with black people in Hollywood. I remember Hattie, McD Hattie, Hattie McDaniel saying she couldn't, she couldn't sit in, in um, or she couldn't go through the front door or something when she went to the Oscars or something like that. Not to go at all. Yeah, things like that. And it's like, this is 1938, 37 or whatever. And it's like, this is going on, but you don't, you're, you're not, you're not helping our cause when you were victims of discrimination and you turned around and just ignored, ignored our plight. And that always, always like confused me because it's like, how do you discriminate against a group when you were discriminated? You, you don't, you don't see the, the uh, inequalities in that. I agree with you, um, but at the same time, we we always have a group of people who, um, you know, they may have had it w with the Holocaust. You you always have I don't want to say this. You always have a group of people that will always oppress another group of people, even though they were of oppressed. You know. Um, I mean, to be fair, and I'm playing both both sides here. I mean, black people do it. You know, um, I don't I don't understand some of the things that our own people do. You know, um, and sometimes I totally understand why they do some of the things that um, th things that you, you do. But when it comes to 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 Hollywood, you're right. You know, you know, back then and even now, Hollywood is very much um run by jewish people um and you know certain people are able to do this certain people and certain people aren't i worked in, in entertainment you know i worked in different phases of it i saw what was going on you know very few people in hollywood make it very very few few people everyone Every white woman can't be Meryl Streep. Every white man is not going to be Clint Eastwood. It's just not going to happen. Every black man is not going to be a, a, a Denzel. It's just not going to happen. Every black woman is not going to be, you know, um, I like to say, even though a lot of people don't know who she is, uh, Teresa Harris. Hollywood only lets in who they want to let, let in, but there are some that they let in more and some that they don't. They don't let in at all. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog, um, industry.
It's an industry where they say, if you want this role, you have to have sex with me. I've seen it. It's a role. You know, well, if you want me to, you know, talk you up to my producer, you have to, you know, go, go, go out with me or I'll give you this role. If you, you know, give me that, 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 uh, on that role. But you look at who's running the studios. And, um, you know, Charlene, this, you know, before you came on, I said that this was one of my first shows when I was first podcasting and it was episode 43 and you were on that episode. Um, and you guys want to see the photos of the people that I was talking about, look up episode, uh, 43, go on YouTube. You have to scroll all the way down. That was my post, um, Pod, um, pod, pod being days when <laughs> Shailene and Juju were the only ones on. on. <laughs> I still laugh at that. Uh, you all have stuck with me for so long. I appreciate it so much. Um, you know, there's just a lot of good talent out there, period. There really is. But black talent... It, it, it just always amazes me. It always amazes me. Because that talent back then, those were movie stars. They weren't celebrities. Those were movie stars. They had that star quality. And they had to work so hard. So hard to be seen and when they were seen they were the maid or the butler or as I said before they were Lincoln Perry aka step and fetch it so Charlie, do you have anything else you want to add? No, I think it's a great topic. Um, in honor of Dr. King uh, Day today, I think it's a, a, a great topic. And hopefully, maybe, um, <clears throat> I don't know, in 25, 50 years or whatever, I hope things, things will be better in terms of um, the talent in Hollywood. But it is, it is a very, very small society the actors very very small it's like, it's like a, a little small fraternity and only somebody are going to get in regardless of how talented they are but i, I mean, just wish, i just wish i just wish it was a little bit more equitable for people well i mean unfortunately how do we get there i mean how do you i mean how how do you make it like that when people are complaining that a fictional character with the little mermaid is a certain color. Yeah, you're right. How do you how do you fix that? How do you fix that? How do you fix it when, you know, you have a fictional character like James Bond that there, you know, people are complaining that this person, you know, uh, a black person may be offered this role of this fictional character. We're not talking about a a, a black man playing George Washington or a white man playing Frederick Douglass. Real people. We're talking about fictional 
characters. Yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, how do you? I mean, how do you fix it when you have people who are making TikToks complaining that a fictional kingdom in Black Panther called Wakanda used the word colonization, and they're having a fit over it that is starting to spill into the political world. But yet you're not complaining when Quentin Tarantino makes all these movies and he drops the N-word, I don't know how many times, and he thinks it's okay because he's he's a producer or all these other movies that are out here who are dropping the N-word or talking about, you know, Latinos or whatever. How do you fix that? When you always will have someone who's going to get upset and complain. The only thing we can do for me, at least, for my foreseeable thing, is I just appreciate the people who came before me. I appreciate the people who are there. I recognize them. I see them. And I support them. I mean, unless you can think of a, a, another way. But guys, thank you very much for coming. This was like my little special episode. And I am going to repeat something. And I had a conversation with someone last night. And um, I'm not going to say who who it was. But um, they are somebody who they are on, on, on Podbean. And I'm just going to say this, and I hope that you guys truly uh, understand where I'm coming from and take me to heart. And even if you all are not here in this show right now, if you all listen to it on the download, whatever, I consider myself a nobody. You know, yes, I get kudos. Oh, Salah, you know, you have a great show. But I have people who don't like my show. I have people, you know, um, uh, in fact, if you follow my TikTok, you'll be seeing something coming up on there uh, soon. Um, But um, I consider myself a nobody. The fact that, that people come onto my show, I appreciate it so much. Even if one person showed up, and that's when I go back to Shy Lady, when you and Juju, I mean, literally, if you if you guys go back and look at my first shows, Juju and Shy, Shy Lady were there. They were the only ones. I mean, I was on a bad platform. <laughs> I was on Zoom, you know, but the fact still stands is um, they showed up. They showed up. all the time and they sat there with me and on the days that they would say hey you know i won't be able to make the show because i have to do this i have to do this i sat there by myself and i plugged and i plugged away because i wasn't going to give up i had something that i wanted to say but the fact that people come and listen to me and you all don't have to that makes my heart thump it truly does I'm not looking for 
recognition. I'm not looking for affirmation. I'm not looking for anything. I'm just doing my show. If, if I was on here by myself every, you know, four, four days a week, I would just be talking to myself for, you know, four days a week. But the fact that you all show up and shy lady, as you know, that's how I was raised. Never give up. You know, but again, I, I, I don't want to make this about me. I'm not on MSNBC. I'm not Fox News. I'm not BBC. I'm not CNN. I'm not any anybody like that. People don't know who, who I am. I don't have 50,000 followers, whatever. I just have people who take time out of their day in the middle of their day to listen to me. And Power Girl, you know, I, it still tickles me. But the fact that you do it when you text, when you put in the chat that time, that you listen to me in the bathroom of your job, or you have to go somewhere to listen to me because you're not allowed to listen to ear to earplugs. I mean, that right there, you know, that, oh my God, it's, 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 you know, the fact that people take the time to do that. So please understand guys, when I say that I appreciate you, I truly, truly, truly mean I appreciate you. I don't expect people to be here every day. I don't expect you guys to be here at all. But the fact that you show up and you stay and you may disagree with me and we can push back on each other, whatever. Because one thing I don't ever want anyone to do, I don't want anyone to ever come into my room and feel like, well, you know, Solace, you know, she, 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 she's going to say this anyway. So why even say this, this or this or this? You know, if I want people, if people have something to say, I, I want you to say it. I want you to say it. And I have been called out for me pushing back on people. Yes, I will. And I expect you to push back on me if you disagree, because when I say that I want my platform, that I want to hear what everybody has to say, I, I meant it. As long as you're not dropping racial slurs or calling people out of their name, come on. You guys have, have, have been on, on, on my shows. And I do consider myself an, an open person. But again, I go back to you all. Because it weren't for people, even that one person, I wouldn't have a show. I mean, I would still have a show. But it wouldn't be a show. So I say thank you. You know, and shy lady, I'm, you know, even though I know we're friends and what have you, but, you know, you did not have to do that. You did not have to stick with me the way you and Juju stuck with me from day one. You didn't have to do that. So on that note, guys, I'm going to end the show. I'm past. I'm really trying to keep it to an hour, y'all. I really, really am. So Shy Lady, once again, anything else you want to say? If not, I'm going to choose. Uh... I just want to say 
even though we're the same age, you're still an inspiration to me because you are a person who says something that she's going to do and you stick with it. And that is admirable. A lot of, a lot of people don't have the, the, not just the belief in themselves, but they don't have, they don't have the, 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 um, the stick to itness. They don't have the, the, the umption, the gumption or whatever. They don't, they don't have, have that, but regardless of whatever money, I, I don't, you're not motivated by money. You're just the kind of person who believe in what you believe and you stick with it. And that, that is one of the things about you I've always admired. You stick with it. You don't give up. You stick with it. So I've, I've been there because I believe in you. I believe in what you're doing. And so I just commend you on that. And I know you're going to continue to do what, you, what you're doing. And so I applaud you for that. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs>